Ignition sequence start. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Liftoff! All right, everybody, welcome back to Take It to the Tips. I am your host, Matt. Uh, with me, as always, Jeff. What up, buddy? How's it going, pal? Oh, I'm just great. Um, so we've been off for a little bit since probably right before the British Open, I want to say. Um, don't know what that uh, verbiage was when I said say. <laughs> I don't know if I'm Canadian or what. But that was that. Um, yeah, we've been off for a little bit. Um, some stuff's been going on professionally personally in our lives some good some bad um but we're back um golf i want to say that golf season is kind of overish but i feel like once the the majors are over i mean i didn't care a ton about the olympics but there's Ryder cup coming up next month uh, but besides that it's basically over um professional golf season my golf season is just starting oh i love fall golf big fall golf guy you know, I like it until I'm walking through the leaves looking for my ball, yes. and then I don't like it. Right. But Very the weather's beautiful. Uh, you know, it looks really nice. So that part of it's great. I agree. My golf game has been stagnant. Um, I've just been consistently upper 80s, low 90s, just tag it. So, what are you trying to get to again? I want to get to like consistently, like, low 80s but it's not happening this year it's just not gonna happen mm. yeah yeah I, I actually got to play this weekend uh i was tagging the ball i feel bad for the guys in front of me because i kept hitting into them Good. um but i just couldn't putt for crap i feel that so but i always feel much better on today where i'm driving the ball and, you know whatever if i don't yeah. putt well it's fine i don't really care i hate putting actually got a new putter. So what's new? Talked. Oh, what'd you get? I got a Odyssey white hot. I got oh, blade. I like yeah, I like those. Those are cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so what's what's new with you? Oh, uh, so professionally, I got a new job. Um, getting into where I wanted to be since I got out of school, basically. So switch jobs. I I was talking about it with with my company and. They're weird about social media currently, so I can't explicitly say who I'm working for, but everybody in Northeast Pennsylvania, um, if you go to Danko's in Dallas, there's a physical therapy clinic in there, and I am running that show, so come on in. Um, I have nobody right now, so if you want a lot of one-on-one time, walk in the door, and I can treat you. I might stop up just so I can hang out with you. You should. We have not hung out personally since uh what was it my wedding probably holy crap yeah. well your wedding's coming up soon too so we'll get to hang out then true, as true. well to uh what is it october two months yes yeah isn't it your wedding it is mine <laughs> yes, it is, it is. But yeah that'll be sick um but yeah i uh got a new clinic new job so come on down i have a lot of free time cool how soon do you get to try to get that tpi certification uh we were talking about it uh hope potentially at the end of the month they have a online webinar so that might be a potential um otherwise probably i think they have another one in october so it's coming it is finally finally coming all right yeah um which is great because you want to be able to 
whenever you start a program, have it ready by like the spring, because that's when people are going to start, start up a little bit more. Exactly. Although uh, the winter is a great time to get the golfers that want to improve their bodies because that's when they're not playing. Mm-hmm. So that, that'll be rolling right into the winter. Um, and with you being in a gym, that'll be like a nice population to, to kind of market. So yeah. that'd be great. Yeah. We talked about this early in the early episodes, like you need uh, a great body and your body needs to be functioning well in order to perform at golf. And the best time to do that is in the off season, going in fall golf, winter golf. Um, you're not really going to be playing a lot of golf in the winter, especially up here. So that's the best time to optimize the body. So you can really focus on the, on the season practicing and playing. So we're getting into that time of year. Almost. Exactly. Uh, last episode we did tease, um, to do like a Christmas in July type of thing. So our, our wants for and wishes for, uh, for golf, both professionally and personally. So even though it's not July anymore, I think we might uh, go into some of the more specific wishes that we had for, for golf. Yeah. So let's, let's you, pretend it's still July. Merry yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Do you have one that you'd like to lead off with or do you want me I to have, I have a few, you can go and then I'll pick which one I want to lead off with. All right. First and foremost, this is more a personal one. I would love, and I mentioned this before, I hate putting. So I would love if the diameter of the golf hole would be increased right now, it's 4.25 inches for the diameter of a golf hole. I'd like to get that thing up to like six inches. So, um, at the golf course that I used to, that I grew up playing, they had what was called an eight inch cup tournament. They would actually carve out an eight inch cup. It's nice and big. You could putt from a pretty far away. You had a higher chance of making some hole outs. Um, you know, maybe even the rare hole in one, but those things, which are arguably the most exciting thing about golf would become even more commonplace and more typical. So, you know, us amateurs may have a higher chance of getting that hole in one. Uh, we may be able to chip in a little bit more and we don't have to get so damn frustrated when we get up to the green in two and then we three putt for a bogey. So I would love to see uh, a little bit bigger golf uh, cup and hole feel that that'd be sick uh, mine is so i have a couple for general for the game of golf and then some specifically for me so i'll go with the game of golf first uh my number one is i want for everyone to magically be given the gift of understanding well this isn't for everybody but for certain people understanding how slow they are um I nothing makes me <laughs> more angry than people that are oblivious and are just taking their time. Um, then you're like, you can't get in a rhythm. There's two holes between the group in front of you and the group in front of them. Can't get in a rhythm. There's people then up your ass, and it's just, it's not great. It's not great. That's a good time to play golf, and people need that gift because it is the worst. And I hate people that do that. Totally agree with that one. You know, let's speed up the the pace of play. There's nothing better than golfing in three hours. I mean, that's awesome. Yes. Four hours, you're pushing it. Once you hit the four and a half, that's that's oh. painful. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that would speed up the game of golf, and this would be, I guess, another wish of mine, would be a golf ball that has like a GPS in it, or like this little tracker that it's like, oh, you're four feet away, you're two feet away, you're one foot away. That way, if you are golfing in the fall and you just can't find your ball. You know, assuming you didn't blow it out of bounds, 
you'll find your ball. It'll go much faster. You don't have to worry about the, the tall rough or something like that and just speed up the pace of play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure they could probably do that if they wanted to, but obviously they would be selling a lot less balls. Uh, that, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Or and they I could make them that they just kind of fall apart a little easier. Uh, but I mean, then you're putting a lot of a lot of technology into a ball that falls apart real quick. So, yeah. Well, why can't we just have like a QR code on the outside of a golf ball and you scan it, and all of a sudden you are tracking that ball. And if you lose that one, then you just scan the next golf ball and you find it on your phone. I mean, I like that. that we've got to have the technology to do that. Uh, and if we do, then you heard it here first, and we're going to copyright that shit cool. right now. Hell yeah. Um, my next one is for golf universally to just not be so uptight. Um, and this is a common complaint from a lot of people that, especially country clubs that they're so uptight. I already, I have one example specifically. I went to, I was a guest with my buddy at, um, country club in the area and I'm not a member. I don't know what's going on. I mean, this isn't, it's not like I'm being a psychopath and like, walking around with my shirt untucked or anything jesus but <laughs> gotcha I, was, I was sitting at the bar we finished our round and just took a seat and i was just kind of relaxing sitting in the chair i turned my hat around um mm, no no <laughs> apparently and some dude just like some old guy just keeps looking at me from across the bar and he like keeps saying stuff to other people and like to the bartender and everybody keeps looking at me i just like leave my hat on backwards and then all of a sudden, like nobody told me anything. I just happened to take my hat off and just put it next to me. Uh, I wasn't thinking about this at all. And then afterwards, I'm like, yo, why was everybody looking at me? Was it because was it my hat was on backwards? He's like, holy shit. It was because your hat was on backwards. I'm like, are you kidding me? These people are going crazy because I had my hat on backwards in at the bar in a, in a golf cl- club. So yeah, people need to relax. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, yeah, there's certain things that are sure we're still tucked in. I look good. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. We could all relax a little bit, I think. Um, and then my last one, I don't know if you've got a bunch more, but, um, my last one is that I want to have golf matches broadcasted two different ways. There's one, which is just the traditional broadcast. And there's one where everybody is mic'd up. And that's one where it's just on HBO. They can say whatever they want. Golfers don't have to worry about watching their mouths or anything, but I would love to hear what somebody says after they, you know, hit it 20 yards left or something. I just want to hear that. And sometimes you do, you do hear videos of, of guys, you know, talking a little bit and that's my favorite part. You know, you get to really pick the golfers you like then because mm-hmm. you don't know who they are right now save for like some of the the interviews that they do but i think you get to know them a little bit better if they're all mic'd up so because even then with the interviews they're not going to say anything like controversial there's going to be like blah like very boring say all the right stuff so like if you get them when they're on the course going through their emotions after a bad golf shot or like a sick putt like right that'd be amazing but you never one, of the, one of the most exciting things that happened recently was Bryson talking crap about his driver. And, you know, that that lit up the golf world. It was this the dumbest thing, like just somebody complaining about their golfer, uh, that their 
their club. I think we all do that basically every round, but that's exciting. And I think that's what golf needs. Yeah. You could tell like he was kind of like came right in. He just seemed like super flustered. Mm -hmm. He was like almost like hyperventilating. I don't know if he was like running to the interview room or what. And then he just kind of went off, said his driver sucks. Uh, And then that was a whole story in golf for like two weeks. But that's what golf needs, right? It is. Yes. So yeah, I got a couple more kind of, I'll just go rapid fire. Mm -hmm. Um, Personally for me, I want to be able to consistently chip to one putt range. Uh, That'd be sick. Um, And then back to golf in general, all golf courses to have two wheel carts like bikes which are super cool. I've never been to a place that has those. What? And yeah, is like this, a motorcycle. Is this real? Yeah. What? They're like motorcycle carts? Yeah. They're my real. country my country club that a lot of the guys have the um, push carts that are remote controlled. Nice. Yeah, those are motorcycle cool. carts. I've never seen that before. Yeah, so all golf courses have those cuz that'd be sick. Um, Brooks and Bryson have a boxing match and <laughs> Tiger Woods lives forever. All right. They're all that's nice. solid. That's yes. solid. Absolutely. I like it. Yeah. But but it's prime tiger, right? You don't want to watch Tiger no, I don't. uh, you know, really old and walking on a golf course and just can't swing. Like no. you, you want to see the thing about Tiger is that we really got him for what? Late nineties, like late nineties, like end of the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, and then until like two thousand eight, we got Prime Tiger. And yeah. then for maybe a few years in the late 2000s, I mean, 2010s, and then that was about it. Like, Tiger hasn't had an extended career, really. Like, he's getting older, but his career hasn't, like, spanned that long. It's just been very in and out the whole time, which is crazy to think about what he's done. But his, his dominance was, you know, it. unquestionable. Yes. Yeah. All right, so that's golf. That's golf for the day. And so I think we're in a little bit of a transitionary period, like I was saying at the top of the show, that golf season, at least professional golf season's over. So I feel like people just start losing interest in golf a little bit. I'm not at all. I want to play just as much as I had previously. But we love golf, but you know what else we love a lot? Football. More specifically. Football. Well, I love football too. I also love <laughs> fantasy football. Fantasy football. Fantasy and it's football. right about that time. It's August. Yes. Drafts are starting to pick up. Uh, we personally have our own draft coming up tentatively on the 4th of September. Got I've it, already right after done, the final uh, preseason week. I've already done 600 mock drafts, and I'm ready for the draft to completely go differently than every mock draft yep. I've done. Yep, because you know that everybody in our league is – not the AI on sleeper or the people that are doing mock drafts in general. Yes. So just a little bit of league history. So I've been in this league for two years now, Matt, I don't know how long this league has been going on for a little while. All right. Have you guys ever had back-to-back champions? Uh, no. <laughs> well, yes, you have. Well, prior to you. <laughs> <laughs> so the last two seasons I was playing in this league and I won. Um, last year we went to a super flex league, which means you get an extra flex and you can put a quarterback in there. If you want to, um, you'd be dumb not to. Uh, so that was a little bit different last year. I never played in the super flex. What did you think about it? I thoroughly enjoyed it. But what was weird to me was, um, 
the league didn't draft quarterbacks with premium. No. Like I think I had like I this. Did. I think you I had did. like yes. I think I had the sixth overall pick. It was a four point per passing touchdown league, and Lamar Jackson's sitting there, so I grab him. And then the third round rolls around, and Kyler Murray's sitting there. Yeah. So I'm like, what are these idiots doing? And then I looked back on the draft recap uh, just to see how that went because you know our mock our, our draft is coming up. A quarterback wasn't really picked until like round five. Yeah, and I felt so stupid. It was you. I thought Lamar Jackson sucked for half the season. Right, but but in a four point per passing touchdown league, that was you know he's a rushing quarterback. It's a Mm. premium. Yeah. So, anyways, so like you said, we're going to transition into fantasy football, and with our doctor physical therapy background, we're going to be talking largely about injuries. We might get into you know some of the the players that we personally like or the the ones that we personally don't like, but largely we want to come at this from an injury standpoint of guys that we're trying to avoid. You may want to bench this guy. Um, you know, I, I would expect these guys to be back in two to four weeks. Those sorts of things. All right. Yep. Absolutely. And I don't know if you just kind of forgot where you were at, but like you just missed your chance to gloat about winning two years in a row. So I'll didn't bring I? it back up for you. No, you really didn't. just didn't say it at all. Well, you know, I like to act like I've been there before. So, but yeah, I won two years in a row. Um, so two for two Not so far. I feel like I feel like I have a big target on my back. Oh, absolutely. Um, but that might partly be my fault because of my trade offers. Yeah, yes, that too. Jeff yes. loves to uh, make consistently whatever. It doesn't matter what league we're in. He's going to be the one that sends the most trade offers and makes the most uh, acquisitions throughout the year. Guarantee it. Bet your life on it. Yep. Yep. But right. it works. It apparently, apparently <laughs> it does. Um, so football. We we may be switching up the name of the podcast as well because if we're doing football, it can't just be take to the tips, you know. And I think I think we have a name in store. Jeff came up with it himself. So that's gonna premiere probably next episode. But let's dive into a few guys this episode that were are prevalent injury wise right now there thankfully haven't been a ton of huge injuries in the preseason um we'll go into a few one big one that everybody knows is out so we don't really have to discuss it is cam Akers. he's done for the year torn achilles his entire career is at stake so that's unfortunate but uh let's go into some guys that we know are a little more variable yeah, the other day I was listening to a, a fantasy football podcast and they went through a list of running backs who had Achilles tears. And the list was not great. Uh, the most su- successful one was Marlon Mack and he hasn't officially come back yet. So, um, yeah, it, it it's not a good injury to, to have, even though the recovery time isn't that, that long. You know, it could be six months, it could be longer than that. But, you know, we've personally seen Brandon Brooks came back really, really quickly. I think his was four or five months, and he's been successful aside from his other injuries he's had. Um, but the other list of, of running backs is not so great. So he'll have plenty of time to get ready by next season. So hopefully he comes back and, and is ready to go next year. Yep, absolutely. And I don't think a lot of these guys have – I mean, probably the best comp for them – like talent, talent wise, I think they both went in the third round. Is uh, Deontay Foreman, who came out of Texas like three years ago, he tore his Achilles and he just hasn't been anything since then. Um, but he is still in the league now. So we'll see if I think he's actually the backup to Derrick Henry this year, maybe. Uh, um, he was just signed 
a yeah. few days ago. Um, I don't think. No, I don't. It was by by the Titans, was it? Uh, I'll have that up. Soon. It might. It might. Be um, the other guy. Oh nope. Uh, the other the guy is really talented. Yep. Uh, and that's a good landing spot, honestly. I was say, you know, I behind like behind nothing. Behind Mike Davis. Behind, behind Mike Davis. Well, he'll get a chance. Um, but if we see what happened last year, which kind of teetered out halfway through the season, you know, maybe Deontay Foreman gets to resurrect his career. We'll see. Um, the only other guy that I found that had a successful year or two was Beanie Wells. Remember him? <laughs> <laughs> from the he Cardinals. He had, he had like one or two good years. Oh my God. Um, and he tore his Achilles and he, he really didn't go He was selected in the first round by the Arizona Cardinals. Is that a, what, Ohio State? Yes. Yeah. Good call. Well. <laughs> so he was the only other guy that I've found that was talented prior to his Achilles tear, but, but didn't really make it back. Successful. That's fantastic. The fact that I got to hear Beanie Wells is something. <laughs> um, so other injuries going on in the preseason. So we have let's start with Carson Wentz, our old friend from Philly. Um, personally, you know, when, that injury occurred, when, that, when that injury occurred, I was like, boy, thank God we got rid of him. And then you remember that you got rid of him for a conditional pick that he has to stay healthy. Yes. And it's like a stab in the back. Yep. But moving on to the actual injury itself, we didn't really hear specifically that it was a Jones fracture, but they did mention the fifth metatarsal, which you start to point towards a Jones fracture. Um, so what's the recovery time look like? Uh, they're saying right now it's looking five to 12 weeks, which is super, super broad. Um, but the thing with feet and ankle injuries are kind of a little more variable just because... Uh, you never really know how they're going to respond until you put your weight bearing through them. Um, so sometimes the fracture, they don't heal properly. Um, and then you're going to have a little bit more rest and you're going to have to wait a little longer to come back. So you never, like I said, you never really know what you're going to get until you start putting your weight through it. There was a report today from, I think, Chris Mortensen that uh, Carson Wentz has a chance to come back week one. And I think that's crazy. Uh not crazy that it can't happen, but like, how do you know right now? Like, but yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if, uh, how much weight he's putting through right now. Uh, and the thing about preseason is that they don't have to put out official, um, injury reports. So that makes it a little tougher, uh, this time of year, but I'm not banking on Carson Wentz in week one. Yeah. There was a report that came out that he and Quentin Nelson, who was his offensive lineman that has, basically the exact same injury we're both at practice without a boot and without a wrap which is pretty incredible considering they just had surgery a week or two ago we usually see those people are in a boot for at least a couple of weeks the exact until, same surgery by the way yeah yeah until that until that bone heals we usually see that somebody's in a boot um they could be non-weight bearing they could be weight bearing so it sounds like they are weight bearing without a boot on which is really positive but for a guy that has an extensive injury history you almost kind of hope that he would take a couple of weeks off, maybe not the full 12, but um, you know, that area is pretty vascular. There's not a lot of blood flow, so it can take some time to heal. Um, and you just hope for his sake that they wouldn't be rushing him back onto the field. Agreed. Yeah. So um, with a lot of these guys, we're going to get more updates once the season comes a little bit closer. Um, so we'll move on to, do you have anything else on Carson? 
No, that's about it. All right. Uh, who else got hurt in the preseason? Really? Well, Saquon Barkley's been in. Yeah, Saquon's oh, a good one to talk about. He's been in the media a lot. So he tore his ACL. Um, remember when that was? He tore it uh, very early in the season, but he did not actually have surgery until November, I believe. Correct. And that was because he also had an MCL injury and a possible bone bruise that those things have to heal before you go in and do surgery on that. So they had to wait until November to actually do the surgery on him. You know, everybody assumes because thanks to Adrian Peterson, you just assume that that running back is going to come back in record time. And Saquon Barkley is a, a physical freak. He's a specimen. So you just assume that that person is going to come back quickly. And it sounds like it just hasn't been what everybody hoped. Now, recently, there's been some positivity surrounding him because they took him off the pup list. But me personally, I'm still concerned about drafting him. I'm seeing his ADP in certain leagues being fourth or fifth overall, according to Fantasy Pros, which I like because it takes all the leagues. He's sixth right now. And I don't think personally, and that's half PPR, I don't personally think I would touch him at number six. Not that he doesn't have the talent, um, not that he hasn't shown it before, but that first overall pick for me, I kind of like to be just a lock aside from some freak accident like the ACL tear. Um, I like that guy to be ready for week one. You know what his workload is going to be. But a lot of the news offseason has been, you know, we're going to work him in slowly. We're going to manage his reps. They signed Devontae Booker. Um, They've got a few other solid guys for their backups. So I personally am concerned about drafting him at his current ADP. I might be interested in him in like the second round, but there's no way he's making it there. Yep. Yeah, I think. For that reason exactly, is I will not have Saquon Barkley on any of my teams. I have him in a dynasty league, um, but that's going to be about it because I've already had him. Um, but yeah, going a little deeper into Saquon, um, like you said, we had to wait on the surgery until November. So the kind of magical return to play timeline that everybody looks for with ACLs is nine months. Um, but even then, sure, you can come back. But what research tells us is that players that come back are just simply not the same that first year after an ACL tear, whether it's a quarterback running back, whoever they just don't have, they don't have the same um, kind of performance measures as we've seen in prior years with them. Uh, Whether it be, they just don't kind of have that kind of neuromuscular uh, connection between the the mind and body. Um, And it just doesn't go well that first year. Uh, And I mean, it makes sense. You got to have confidence in that knee and, it's hard to get back. It's easier said than done. Um, and I just, it's, it's been said plenty of times. You can, you're not going to win your uh, fantasy league in round one, but you certainly can lose it. And I think pick and Saquon is at potentially five overall is a huge risk, um, which I'm not going to be taking. offensive line what's behind a uh, suspect offense um you know we saw his rookie year he caught a lot of passes in the first half of the season with Eli Manning but once Daniel Jones took over we really haven't been seeing him catch the ball as much either so for a team that really hasn't improved that much in terms of defense in the offseason I'm concerned first off about his workload and second you know is he going to catch the ball um, so I think that's a r- little rich for for his six overall ADP I personally look at Aaron Jones, who's coming in at number nine overall. 
maybe he shoots up the board a little bit more after the news that Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Um, Nick Chubb is going around that area. I think I might choose him instead. But yeah, there's, there's guys there that I think I like a little bit more than Saquon. Yeah, honestly, in that range, give me give me Chubb, uh, Eckler, uh, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon. Give me Najee Harris over Saquon Barkley, honestly. Really? You, yes. you go Najee over I'm Saquon? Not, I'm not playing Saquon games wow. this year. It's wow. also very possible that we just don't ever see Saquon being the same that he was his rookie year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've seen, the ex- we've seen the explosiveness, but there's only so much you can do behind a really garbage offensive line and an awful quarterback. Yes. Yep. All right. Uh, let's, what do you think about his teammate? Uh, Kenny Galladay who is dealing with a hamstring injury. Well, you know, this is kind of going to go into a lot of soft tissue injuries. So Kenny Galladay had the hamstring injury. We've seen a couple groins go on here. We've seen Deandre Swift have a groin injury. Um, you know, which is always just a shame in training camp because that's the last thing you want. Um, so pain is gone. They're, they're actually 100%, but typically we tend to see that some of these soft tissue injuries can take up to eight weeks to completely heal. Um, so it just leaves him at a higher risk and a guy that's already had an injury history. Um, you know, that's a little bit concerning that he's already dealing with something in the off season. However, I personally do kind of have a positive outlook on Kenny Galladay, the player, just because I think they paid him so much and brought him in to be just a target hog and a target leader and really give Daniel Jones a, a last chance to succeed in the NFL. The next few weeks are positive on Kenny Galladay. I'll be in on him as my wide receiver too. Uh, it's just, are all the reports good? Does he go back to practice in a few weeks and get through it without a re-aggravation of his injury? Yeah. Uh, also not touching Kenny Galladay. Get out of here. Um, not you, but Kenny Galladay. Why? I've never, is, I've never thought it, he was a very is person. What? It, so it's a personal, like, you no, it's not personal. Think he's a I good mean, player. It, Yes, I personally don't believe he's a good player. Well, like yeah, you don't hate the guy, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't believe he is a good player. I don't All right. have anything special about him in Detroit. Uh, just kind of like a jump ball guy. Has never been anything real more than that. Um, I just I think they overpaid. Don't think he's that good. I don't see him getting any better leaving Detroit, going to New York. Um, same ish offensive line quality uh worst quarterback so as a so as a wide receiver too you don't think the upside is there no wow all right that's the great part about fantasy football is you can disagree and now i know that in our draft if matt's picking ahead of me i i can wait on don't have to worry about kenny yes that is correct uh anybody else you got uh um, DeAndre Swift is a little bit worrisome. We all remember, or most of us remember, David Montgomery came into last season with a groin injury, and we all thought, you know, he's going to be out a few weeks, and he played fantastic. I think he was ready to go by week one or two. Um, so we'll, you know, keep up with what DeAndre Swift is is looking like in the next few weeks. Um, his ADP is somewhere in round two, round three. 
um, depending on how much you like him. Again, I don't really like him just because of the offensive line and the team is pretty garbage, and I feel like they're going to be playing from behind. And while that might mean something good for his PPR value, I just I'm worried about that team. Yeah. So absolutely. that with the injury, I, I might not touch him. I, I I'm okay with DeAndre Swift. I'd take him in the right circumstance. Um, but I agree, the team's not very good. Uh, you think about David Montgomery last year, and he didn't really go off until the second half of the season, really. Um, so chances are he did have some kind of lingering effect, uh, at least those first few weeks of the season from that groin injury, which looked pretty bad on on tape. Like like you said, a lot of people thought he was going to be out for a while, including mm-hmm. myself. Um, so yeah, obviously any type of muscle issue early on in the season is concerning because we know the, the number one predictor for another, uh, muscle injury is a prior injury. Um, so that's concerning, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see with some of these guys. Yep. Just reading through the injury reports, Justin Jefferson had an AC joint issue, um, I'm not super concerned unless we're hearing that he's going to play with some form of wrap or something on the shoulder that might just limit his shoulder range of motion. Um, we see these AC joint issues a lot with, uh, with wide receivers, but he's really got the talent. Is he just going to demand the type of volume that he had last year? And that's, that's the only question I have about him. There's some of the younger wide receivers around him, like AJ Brown, I like better than him possibly DK Metcalf I like better than him around there I think I like those guys just because the offensive the offense concerns me but I'm not super concerned about his injury would you be concerned about the AC joint no uh he's got plenty of time to rest uh if it was in the middle of the season depending on severity maybe but I mean he's just not gonna if it is a big deal they just won't play in the whole preseason they'll have plenty of time to recover uh I like him uh much more than D and not a lot more than DK. I like him more than DK and I like him a lot more than AJ Brown. Mm-hmm. So this is, yeah. this is interesting. I this get some insight. You could. Yep. I don't know. I can't um, get, see that. What, what do you think about Devonte Smith? Uh, I'm not concerned. MCL is not a huge deal. Um, again, he's another one that he's going to have five weeks to four or five weeks. Uh, once it gets to the regular season, he'll have time to heal. And that's, that's a fine timeline. Uh, even if it is grade two MCL sprain, that's still enough time for uh, full healing. Um, if it's grade one, he should be totally fine. So I'm really not concerned. And I mean, I don't want to say this, but I like that. I like Monday Smith a lot. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. And no, no bias either with that. Right. No, not a, honestly, no. Like I just really believe in his talent. Mm-hmm. If he could put on like 15 pounds too. Yeah. Uh, the other person that was struggling with a groin injury was Curtis Samuel. Then um, same thing goes for him. You know, keep your eye on him. It sounds like he's having a harder time getting back on the football field than um, you know some of the other soft tissue guys. So yep. he's somebody that I don't really like more so because uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't typically target his number two wide receiver. It just kind of leans on that number one. So I'm concerned about him and I probably won't be drafting him towards the end of the draft um, just based on those two things. Yeah. uh, I think he's, he's a decent flyer. Um, Obviously love Terry McLaurin. I think he's in a great spot with the best Mm -hmm. quarterback he's ever played with uh, easily. 
and that's not saying a ton, like it's Ryan Fitzmagic, but uh, what he's had to work with the last two years in Washington is not great. So love Terry this year, um, especially if Curtis Samuel comes into the season with uh, any type of deficit. So, yeah. 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 It's hard to like two guys on the same offense when the offense is Washington, you know, maybe, maybe for Dallas. So Dallas is in the news a little bit. We'll cover these next two guys next. Um, first of all, Mari Cooper just got released, I think, to practice. He was dealing with an ankle issue that kind of stems back to the offseason. Um, and I think he just started practicing. There was, while he was out, there was just so much hype on CD Lamb that his ADP shot above Amari Cooper. And I think I kind of see Amari Cooper as a pretty good value now. Uh, his injury. The one thing about these early training camp injuries is that it gives the opportunity to drive these guys price down. So whereas Amari Cooper used to go above CeeDee Lamb in late third round, early fourth round, you might be able to get him now in the fourth round, whereas before you couldn't. So Amari Cooper is one that I kind of like. You just might have to deal with some inconsistency with him, but it's good to see that he's getting back on the, uh, on the practice field. Except yeah, for the fact that he plays for the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think with Amari and uh, CD Lamb, I think CD probably has a higher overall ceiling, but they're, they both have pretty similar floors and probably similar weekly outputs for the most part. And you're going to get a discount on Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with, with preseason injuries, it's, it's in my opinion, critical to know, exactly what kind of injuries they do have. So like somebody that has a soft tissue issue, like Kenny Galladay, for instance, I worry much more about him than somebody like Amari Cooper or somebody like Devonte Smith who have, uh, Devonte Smith has the MCL, um, Amari Cooper's ankle injury rates. Yes. So not, I think that's, much... I think it's ligamentous. Exactly. I, do think so it's I don't ligamentous. worry as much about like kind of ligament stuff as I do, um, soft tissue kind of muscle issues, uh, going into a season. So I am much more confident in the season long stability of guys like Amari and Devante versus somebody like Kenny Galladay. So I think that's, and they can work as tiebreakers too, just knowing those kind of injuries. And, um, if you're deciding between a couple of players, uh, that could help you out. The interesting thing about off-season injuries and training camp injuries is that if you don't like a player's outlook, regardless of injury, and that person gets injured, that even further solidifies your dislike for that person's ADP. So somebody like Curtis Samuel or somebody like Kenny Galladay, who you personally didn't like coming into the season, if somebody sustains an injury, that even further negatively impacts your your viewpoint on him. So maybe if you had a pretty good value on Kenny Galladay, you would have drafted him. But if somebody's dealing with an injury that further limits your, your viewpoint on them versus somebody like Amari Cooper, who I'm kind of interested in, in going into the season, somebody sustains an injury. I might be willing to look past that injury and just be glad that it's driving their price down. Um, So somebody that didn't like Amari Cooper might dislike him even more because he's injured now, but somebody that likes him, still likes him and is willing to look past the injury. It's yeah, interesting. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And then I think the offense of the Cowboys is really going to rely obviously on 
Dak Prescott and his health. So obviously he came off of that big injury for his ankle, you know, the big fracture that we saw. Um, and it sounded like the fracture healed really well. That would be an injury that you and I wouldn't be so concerned about because it was bony. You know, those things usually heal without much issue aside from Alex Smith, who obviously went through a big issue, but you know, Dak's injury was healed pretty well. And now all of a sudden he's dealing with a soft tissue injury. He's dealing with what is it? A rotator cuff strain. Uh, we don't even have a ton of info on it. Um, that's what I would guess. Uh, watching Hard Knocks last night, they're talking about maybe lats. Uh, so I don't know. It's weird. We were told that it was an injury that's more common in baseball throwers and pitchers rather than actually that rather than football players. Yeah. So um, yeah, it could be something more related to that rather than just a typical rotator cuff strain. Yeah. So. Assuming he comes into the season healthy, you know, apparently he said, if I had an NFL game that mattered this weekend, I'd be playing. So assuming he comes into it well and is able to practice a little bit, I still feel confident about his recovery and like his upside, as long as that um, Cowboys offense throws, you know, for 6,000 yards, like they were on pace to the first six games when he was active. Yeah. Uh, obviously it's the Cowboys, but I love from a fantasy perspective, I love their offense. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm drafting them all over the place. I'm kind of just drafting Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb just because we didn't see much from Michael Gallup last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't really know which tight end to target between Blake Jarwin and uh, Schultz. So yeah. I'm just kind of targeting those two guys, Dak and, and Zeke. And, and I like Tony Pollard as a late night, late round flyer. I do like to load up on my running backs in the end, just because we know that the injury history and the, the incidents and prevalence for, for injuries for running backs is so high that I usually put those kind of guys at the end. Absolutely. Unfortunately. Um, So yeah, it's always good to have, whether you have your own kind of handcuff or you have somebody else's handcuff, they're always going to be valuable assets. Granted, they're not always going to hit, but when they do, you're, going to have some you can play or somebody that you can trade away for a King's ransom. So definitely good, good flyers to have late in the draft. How much time do we have here left enough for a small debate? Sure. All right. So I was listening to a podcast and they had a really fun debate on whether you feel it's more valuable to handcuff your own running back, or if you feel it's more valuable to handcuff somebody else's high end running back. Mm -hmm. So let's say that, I've got Zeke and you've got um, Dalvin Cook, right? Both with a little bit of an injury history, both coming in, you know, well, Zeke's a little bit older. Um, he's got more wear and tear on him, I think. So if you've got Dalvin and I've got Zeke and you're towards the end of the draft there and Madison and Pollard are both sitting there, which one do you think you would prefer to take? Your do own handcuff? Oh, you've got Dalvin. So you could take Madison, which is your handcuff, or you could take Pollard, which is my handcuff. They both have basically the same ceiling. Would you agree? Yeah, for the most part. So who would you take? I would take – so I think that personally I believe I'm more concerned. I would be more concerned generally about Dalvin's health going into it than I would Mm -hmm. be – um amari cooper just because i don't love the kind of bilateral shoulder stuff that he's had multiple times he's had in high school college nfl so that's that's why i would take um madison at that point but overall um 
as a general rule for me, it's not really a, a super hard rule. Um, but I, I don't typically take my own, um, handcuffs. I'll typically take other handcuffs, uh, just because mm-hmm. you're not going into a season in, in my perspective, what I believe you're not going into a season, assuming your running back's going to be hurt. Um, if all goes as planned, they're not going to get hurt, obviously. Uh, and it's impossible to really plan for plan for injuries. So I want to take as many pieces as I can from all over the place versus kind of just shoring up um, what I have and what I hope is just a wasted bench spot, really. Right. And I tend to agree with you. So I think the argument would be made that if you're trying to win the championship, you're trying to get high upside and you limit your team's upside. If you take your own handcuff, because you know, best case scenario, you would get, take somebody else's handcuff and that player would get hurt. Now, all of a sudden you have two top of the, you know, top 10 running backs. But if I took Zeke and then took Pollard, I limit my team's upside because I'm only going to have possibly one top 10 running back. So if you're trying to play for first, you should take somebody else's handcuff rather than your own. However, I find that when I get to that decision in a draft, the emotions get to me and I feel like sometimes I pick my own handcuff just because I get Oh my God, what if he gets hurt? Right. Um, What typically happens is I usually end up taking both players anyways. (laughs) <laughs> because yeah. I just load up on running back in the end anyways. Um, so if I don't get that second guy, then maybe I go for Latavius Murray, Daryl Williams, Chuba Hubbard, one of those guys. Just be- I mean, I'm just going to load up on handcuffs. Um, not that I go zero running back, but I just feel that the value is running back. So I just load up. Agreed. Uh, yeah, I like so that. I like it that. sounds like we're on the same page then in terms of drafting handcuffs. Take somebody else's handcuff rather than your own if you're exactly. really trying to get upside. It always feels better when you screw somebody else. At least yes. for me. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That's what fantasy is, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's, that's the best part. Beating somebody else. Whether it's yeah. you steal their players or you beat them in a week, you're beating people. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think those are the big headline uh, injuries in terms of offensive players. So uh, do we have anything else? No, nah, I got nothing else. We're uh, starting our transition into football. Uh, I think we're going to take the rest of August off. Um, there's a week in between the final preseason game in August and the start of the NFL season, and which actually starts like technically the second week of September. Um, so that first week of September, we will be back. We'll discuss any other injuries that happen. We'll have a new name for the show. Um, and we'll be back probably rocking every week, uh, to cover injuries. Um, and we'll yeah. be back. We'll, we'll be back. We'll, we'll play it by ear. If there's a bunch of injuries in preseason, we may have to hop on maybe a week early and just we'll in case people, pod. yeah, just in case people are drafting at the beginning of September, late August, at least we can, we can cover some of those injuries. Yep. Um, but otherwise, assuming nobody nobody gets hurt, uh, yeah, beginning of September. All right. Well, with that, that's about it for today. Uh, it's football time, and we're ready for it. Let's get it. All right. Peace, y'all. Ignition sequence start. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Liftoff. <laughs>